Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, Episode 75, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. Why is one town fighting against teacher housing, plus Halloween fallout? What's the punishment for the 14 teachers that dressed up as Latinos and a border wall? And how did educators running for office do in this year's elections? Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, we have the CEO of Selected, the tool that helps teachers find a best fit school. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire Lissa Pruitt. Russ Davis is probably going to be joining us a little later on, Lissa, so we'll stay tuned for that. But uh, what's going on with you? It's pretty cold down here. Uh, We are way down in the south. I mean, for geographic purposes, we're almost near New Orleans, and I think we're in the 30s this morning, right? Yeah, it's cold. (laughs) It's it's bad. It's very cold. Are are you uh, enjoying the school year still so far? You haven't hit that wall yet? Oh, I think everybody's definitely hit the wall this last week. was was a doozy. Halloween um, was a couple of weeks ago, and it it's usually difficult to get through for teachers. Did you see that? Um, gosh, there was a news bit, a story of a teacher from Louisiana. They found a bag of wine in her car. I mean, not in her car, in her classroom. Oh, I was going to say in the car. That's fair game, right? But classroom. No, yeah. but in the classroom, like they said that like at afternoon car line, she was acting a little different and the other teachers kind of noticed. And anyway, I guess there was a complaint or something, but it was all over social media. I couldn't tell if it was a recent story or if it's just kind of one of those that resurfaces, because what was so funny is everybody kept saying, well, wait now, if this was the day after Halloween, like we all understand, like even one of our local administrators made a joke and was like, hmm, if this was the day after Halloween, we might would have turned the other way. Wow. <laughs> Just because that's such a tough day for teachers. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, part of me is like, yeah, you certainly don't want your teacher drinking at school on the job when they're with your kids, especially if they're young kids. But another part of me is like, can you blame them? I don't know. I know teachers are still engaged, though, because in the month of October, we had more listeners than we ever have had in the history of the show. So uh, we appreciate that's awesome. Yeah, we appreciate all our listeners. And and that's been really great. So uh, we're excited. And uh, thanks for listening. And, you know, I know it gets hard when you start working into November and December, but we're going to keep going strong. And and usually we push right through the holidays and and, uh, just keep bringing you some of the headlines uh, and news and ideas around the country when it comes to uh, schools and education. So saying that, let's go ahead and jump into the uh, teacher's lounge. What do you know? Well, I'm talking about this teacher housing. We've, we've spoken about it before um, on, I don't even know which podcast that was, but it was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, I think it was one of even like our first ones, like we started talking right. about teacher housing, right? So, I mean, I personally am going to insert my opinion out of the gate. I think it's such a good idea I mean, yes, the overall problem is we need to pay our teachers more, bottom line, Mm -hmm. obviously. But when that is not, you know, on the table, of course, it's always great to have other things in the community that give back to teachers and give discounts. That's wonderful. But 
but a housing, you know, a whole section housing for teachers to allow them to, you know, pay lower rent or whatever. I think it's a great idea. It's not really a need in my area, but in areas like California, which is what the story is based on in San Jose, they have crazy, crazy housing rates, you know, to own a home just for the median home. 1.1 1.1 million. Yeah, my wife and I were, were over in um, Northern California last month, and we would pull out Zillow as we would drive around. And we were around the Silicon Valley area in San Francisco, and we couldn't afford one house. And we, we would drive by the houses, and we're like, how much is that one? That one's got to sign up. And it would be over a million dollars minimum, and usually pushing into the right. $2 million range. Right. And so then if you want to, okay, say you don't want to own as a teacher, you want to rent. Well, your rent is 3500 a month. And teachers... Their entry pay in California is fifty five thousand, and then it it rises up to seventy one thousand. So you can do the math and know that oh okay, well three thousand five hundred a month rent it's not possible. So you know you're 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 seeing a lot of teachers that have roommates. You're seeing a lot of teachers that commute two hours a day from outside just to be able to teach in those schools, but it's a two hour commute because of the cost of housing. Um, they say that the school districts in San Jose, one in seven teachers, they lose a year. Um, one in seven. Because wow. of because the they of don't house. have a house to stay. So they're, they right. have the idea they're going to build these houses up in Northern California. Is that the story? Right. So here's the story, yeah, is that there are the communities. Okay, so ha- San Jose has chosen nine school sites that they... They have 41 schools in the San Jose Unified School District. They've they've tagged nine that they would like to tear down, relocate students, and but in those same school sites that they're tearing down, put up teacher housing, apartments um, that are affordable um, housing for teachers. And so, you know, again, like we've talked about this in the past, you know, everybody's like, oh, what a great idea. That's a great idea. No, apparently the community members of San Jose say there's been this huge outcry against it. Um, speaking out, really, I have to say, you know, some of the quotes from the the town meetings, you know, have been, you know, we don't want low income people living in our neighborhoods. Wow. You know, we don't want one quote is we don't want um, uneducated people uh, living in our that's, our community. that's infuriating, and that person must be ill-informed, right? Like, sure. Um, and then some people are saying, "No, you know, I get it that these are teachers, but this just only opens up the floodgates for more low-income housing for people that are not teachers." And this is a like gateway what? Like to police, that. policemen, firemen, guess, people who protect yeah, exactly. protect their homes. You know, so terrible, so terrible. And so, of course, there's you know this heartbreaking quote from a teacher saying you know, wait, you know, we are, we deal with, you trust us with your children every day. You know, we're a part of your life every day, but we're not good enough to be your neighbors. Like what? Like this is so, so, this is infuriating. Cause like uh, the alternative is you just, you know, raise the ad valorem taxes on all their homes. So you have to pay teachers what a, a Facebook employee makes, you know, like let's, let's use our brains here. Like oh, this is I a know. solution to not have to raise your taxes. 
So I should be fair that like not all of the schools that were tagged had this terrible outcry. It was mainly Leland High School and Bret Hart Middle School that were the most outspoken and, and I mean, started a petition to where now they've got, you know, over 7,000 signatures against it. You know, and some of their, you know, the reason that Leland and Leland High School and Bret Hart Middle were chosen was because they're the oldest. So they're, they're the ones in the most need of updating. And so why would you go, you know, tear down newer schools to put teacher housing? Of course, you're going to start with the older um, facilities. Um, oh, so they're actually like putting you know, it like near the school? Well, like they would take a school away and put teacher housing there. In that spot. That's okay. The, gotcha. That's right. That's right. Still on government land. and Okay. Section um, 16. Yeah. Anyway, so they're saying, no, you know, that that's part of their reason is because, no, we don't want to lose that school. That's That school is part of our neighborhood, and we don't want to have to, you know, take our skid, kids just the short distance over to this other school. And so that that's kind of part of it. And um, so they have reasons. They have reasons. But some of the outcry has been kind of not nice. It's been kind of, no, we don't. We don't have those type of people living around here. So this, I should say, has been done successfully almost nine years ago um, in the Casa del Maestro school district. They actually did put in teacher housing. Um, and in the article, I'm sure you'll link it to this podcast, yes. but you can see photos of the of the housing that they put there with teach for teachers. And it's a really nice looking you know, it doesn't look like apartments. It looks like a duplex kind of thing with little garages. And they have, it's been a huge success. Like they've seen their, you know, loss of teachers drop all the, I mean, to where now it's a third of a problem that it used to be. Right. Um, just because they were able to provide affordable rent. And of course you have a community of teachers that is living there together that they all have the support system. Um, and they're living in these housing units to where they're only paying a thousand two hundred a month in two or three story building you know, rentals for teachers and families, teachers and their families, I should say, because teachers should be allowed to provide for their families. Well, and they shouldn't like have they, to commute an hour and a half into the right. the wealthy area to teach. It's it feels like Hunger Games, like these other outlying areas. And then you have like the rich people in the in the one big central town. And it, it, it feels weird. Like, you know, give them a place to live. Right. And the Casa del Maestro complex, they are looking at it as a successful model because it didn't even cost the taxpayers a dime. Well, hopefully uh, what's right prevails. Um, you know, we had the uh, elections just recently, just last week. And um, a lot of teachers were running for office. And we've talked about this on the show. So I wanted to kind of, you know, look into... How do they do? How do they fare? And um, there were some good stories in there, but overall, they didn't do that great. So we're going to talk about some numbers and we'll talk about some of the good stories. Um, you know, one of them was uh, there was a Democrat, Tony Evers out of Wisconsin, superintendent of public instruction, um, and he was a former teacher as well. And he was elected governor and defeated um, Governor Scott Walker, who, you know, gutted teachers unions in Wisconsin um, pretty dramatically a, a while back. I don't know if you remember that. So it was good to see, you know, that fight for teachers kind of prevail there. 2016 National Teacher of the Year. I might be saying her name wrong. It looks like it's Jonna Hayes won her congressional bid in Connecticut by double digits by becoming the first black woman 
to be elected to the House. Um, so that's actually like a federal seat that this 2016 National Teacher of the Year won. Um, so that was a good story. But then... Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So according to Election Week analysis, 177 current teachers ran for state legislative seats across the entire country. And of those, it looks like only 42 of that 177 won the general election on Tuesday. So that's not the best you know, result that we'd like to see. But but you know what, I, I certainly wouldn't want to discourage any educators from running in the future because the fact that that many ran and there were results and those 42 will make a difference going forward. I mean, they actually have a voice in their state houses. Uh, so I mean, I kind of feel like that's great results. I mean, 23%. Yeah, I, yeah. I, right. I, I mean, that's not you don't normally hear of teachers stepping into that role. So like, to me, like for I'm sorry. I feel like, wow, that's that's great. Yeah, the, the, this is valid. I mean, you know, you'd like to see it over 50, I guess. And maybe I'm I'm thinking too optimistically, but, you know. Yeah, but they're not career politicians, though. This so is true. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like that's pretty good. That'd be like me deciding I'm going to be the next Paul Abdul and like actually making it, you yeah. know. <laughs> I, th- I think the odds actually are much, much slimmer there. Just, just, <laughs> just conjecture. Um, but no, I think if you. I think if you heard 150 architects ran for legislators, you know, legislative positions nationwide, and 25% of those actually got in on the first try, um, I think that we'd be like, wow, those architects are really going after it. So you want to see more because architects aren't getting screwed left and right, right? So you want to see the people that are the underdogs that are, you know, constantly getting cut and, you know, prevented from striking and all these other things. Um, since it's been so public this year, you definitely want to see those people do the best. So I can understand your position too, Nick. Like you really want to see, you know, 120 of them, right. To really show that there's a wave of teachers that are going to be, um, you know, in the legislature. Yeah. Well, Russ, it's great to have you on the show today. And, uh, you obviously folks listening know you just kind of, um, been able to drop in here and we know you have a story, uh, that is somewhat timely. We need to talk about it before we get too far away from uh, Halloween, there wasn't necessarily the uh, the best move by some teachers, right? A- absolutely, and and sorry for busting in like the Kool Aid Man at the last minute here. So, so <laughs> that's your new nickname. Uh, and by the way, I made I made that joke with some folks that work in our office, and they did not get it. Oh man, the Kool Aid Man is not a thing for twenty year olds. So, um, way to way to age yourself there. So, uh, my story comes out of Middleton, Idaho, um, and there were fourteen. Uh, 14 teachers uh, and staff members, say staff members, but you kind of assume they're teachers and faculty. And they decided it would be a great idea to um, become the border wall. And that in itself is not necessarily as offensive as they also dressed up. Trump border wall, right? Yeah, yeah. The Trump border wall, right? So uh, they emblazoned, they put Make America Great Again um, on um, uh, on their wall. And then they dressed up like a racist would think Mexicans are right. So mariachi bands and sombreros and all these other things. And so it just, uh, it struck me on several levels. First of all, who thought this was a good idea, right? Um, who thought that this would not get noticed? Was it like you said 14, is it 14 teachers that did this? 14, 14 people. And no one said, yeah. Okay. Any profession, let's say a bunch of nurses decided they were going to do this, or let's say a bunch of attorneys, like what a terrible idea. Well, there is, um, yeah, it's just crazy. And so the, the district has obviously put them on administrative leave. So you, so you said they're on leave. Are they on leave? 
with pay or without pay? And which should it be? They are on leave with pay, um, as I understand. So so is, that, is, is that right in y'all's opinion? Or is that really a penalty when you're on leave with pay? Well, it, it depends on what the final outcome is, right? So a lot of this is determined by collective bargaining or state law. You know, like you can't, like often you can't put somebody on leave without pay without there being a criminal charge. Um, so, you know, I, I honestly, first of all, do you think these these teachers should lose their jobs? Let's kind of approach it from a different angle because that's kind of what the consensus that people are crying out for, right? Um, that they should lose their job. What do you guys think? I just, I don't know. I have a problem unless it's at the like, collegiate level, I have a problem with any teacher that uses their position in a classroom to grossly show their opinion one way or the other in a country that's, yes, absolutely, we have free speech and all that, that's great, but you're a role model and you're the one that is teaching these children every day. You're a fixture of their home. So if they don't have a highly political home one way or the other, if they don't have a highly stereotypical home one way or the other that has norms and thoughts about a certain group of people or whatever, you're the one putting those ideas in their head. And I just, I have a problem with that. I feel like in in a lot of ways, you should be neutral. You should be vanilla. You should be open to all ideas and all thoughts but you shouldn't show one way or the other unless you're up in the upper, upper grades, you know, late high school and college and you're teaching debate and things like that. Does that make sense? That's my opinion on it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of with you with you, Lissa. It's, it's it comes to the role model sense. So lose your job. I mean, part of me wants to say, no, they shouldn't lose your job because then you're talking 14 teachers that you need, you know, and these might be have good records as educators and so forth. Yeah, I, I just think that I. I got to be honest with you, the border wall and the MAGA thing doesn't bother me as much as dressing up as these caricatures of what, and one woman apparently wrote Mexican in capital letters on the brim of her sombrero, according to the article. Think about those children. Certainly in Middleton, they have students that are English language learners, right? Like what do those kids think about this whenever they're portrayed in this way. That's such a good point. And, you know, and plus you're talking about, I read all stories all the time about um, children um, whose parents maybe immigrated with them here. And one day they're in school and the next day they're gone. They're already scared in the environment. They don't know where they're going to be tomorrow. Sure. And and then to see the, the people who are supposed to be your safe place doing this is right. really a punch in the gut. Right. Are you guys um, ready for the bright idea? Let's do it. Um, we have, I, I teased this in the last episode, and Russ, I don't know if you heard this or not, but we have a company that has developed almost the dating app for teachers in schools. And they're actually like referring to it, branding it as the dating app, where if a teacher needs to find a job, they put in their information and they try to match them with the school that has the same teaching philosophies as the teacher is is there swiping involved Nick? If there's swiping, <laughs> I don't know. We will we will ask. I don't. I doubt it, but but there might be. Oh, awesome. Right. So funny. Our guest in today's bright idea segment is one of the creators of some new software that was recently featured in Forbes as a tool to help teachers find a best fit school. Wayne Tam is the co-founder and CEO of Selected, and he describes Selected as a dating app for teachers and schools. Wayne, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me. I, I really like, I don't know if that's necessarily your brand, but it is from what I read. That's kind of how you describe it. This is a dating app for teachers and schools because you guys are in the process or, or in the business of pairing the two together. Is that correct? That's right. I mean, when we started, uh, I mean, really our primary mission is actually to improve teacher retention uh, in all the areas that we serve. Uh, and one of the primary drivers for retention is really school fit, school culture, uh, and helping teachers find uh, a great fit. Um, it's really difficult, as you might imagine, uh, for teachers to find not not even schools that are hiring, uh, but also of those that are hiring. What 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 of that school? What of that school culture? Uh, how does that align with what uh, the teacher believes um, in terms of teaching philosophy, pedagogy, etc.? Uh, so that they stay, you know, that they have a great experience, and not only they stay in that job, but really stay in the in the uh, in the industry in education. So what does your software do and, and kind of help describe it for somebody who obviously was just listening? Is it an app or is it on a on a desktop? And and then what criteria do you guys ask the teachers in the schools to make that match like eHarmony, I guess? Yeah, no, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, I, I, guess I describe it as pretty simple, but it is it is very similar to dating application, although that's not how, you know, it's not like we sat down and said, we're going to build a dating app and help match teachers in schools. Well, how we came up with it was really thinking about the teacher first. I think a lot of recruitment, uh, a school recruitment and teacher recruitment these days is really focused uh, on the school. So helping schools post jobs and, and, and it becomes very much a passive activity for schools. Uh, and so we wanted to build a system that helped schools, uh, one, be discovered, but also two, help schools find great teachers. And ironically, to do that, uh, which is, you know, I, I say ironically, but it's it's funny in that uh, it actually comes down to supporting teachers uh, and help and building a system around them and helping elevate, uh, their, you know, what, what they're looking for, making it easy for them. So it's essentially uh, a way for teachers to, they fill out a profile, they answer questions about what they're looking for in a school. So things like grade levels, geographies, uh, uh, you know, certifications, foreign language fluency, typical things that you would see in application, but also, uh, and what we think more importantly, questions around school culture, uh, teaching philosophy, for example, do you, where do you lie on this, on the spectrum of, you know, whole child, uh, progressive, uh, uh, um, you know, auto teacher autonomy, discipline, are you more restorative or are you on the other end of that spectrum? So it's not exhaustive, but it's enough for us to get a sense of what that teacher is looking for. Uh, and then, of course, we ask the school similar questions so that when a school logs in, they see candidates who are already aligned with what they're looking for, uh, who are actively looking and who are screened uh, to be seen by that school. So from the teacher's perspective, it's really easy. You don't have to um, know what you're looking for, right? It's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, we're based in New York City, but in New York City, there's 2,000 schools. We're talking just 2,000 district schools. Wow. That doesn't include charter schools. That doesn't include private schools. That doesn't include parochial schools. And that's just New York City. That doesn't include the broader metro area of northern New Jersey, southern Connecticut, maybe uh, central New Jersey, even Philadelphia, right? So how are you as a teacher supposed to find, again, what schools are hiring? Uh, that's just first cut, right? right. And then two, uh, what's a great fit? And so we built a platform, essentially, yeah, uh, a web platform. It's not a mobile app. It, you can access it through, of course, the phone and it's responsive and all that. But um, again, it's teacher-centric. And what I mean by that, it's it's free for teachers, uh, but also that we do a ton of support, uh, meaning there's free resume reviews. Uh, you essentially get a personal coach that helps you th through your entire job search. And that's really helped us um, really listen to our teachers and expand the community of, of teachers that we can help.
if anyone wants to get ahead of us, the uh, the website is getselected.com, correct? That's correct. Okay. Getselected.com. Right. I hadn't even said that yet, but I figured someone may want to type it in on their phone while, <laughs> while, while they're listening. But um, so so where did you come up with this idea? You must have thought, you know, there's a need for this, right? Yeah. What's interesting is, you know, with most startups, there was there was another idea prior to this. And, and the idea prior to this was a, a similar mission in that we wanted to elevate the teacher and, and help them uh, be found and be discovered. And but what our initial app was really helping uh, teach, uh, tutors be found by parents and helping tutors and parents manage. Many of the tutors, of course, are teachers trying to make money on the side. Uh, and what we did was build a profile, help you. Know, what is the difference between a $40 an hour tutor and a $200 an hour tutor, what is that difference? And so we tried to build a profile around that specific expertise, certifications, schools they taught at, um, uh, language fluency, et cetera. And then one day at a job fair, uh, as we were actually trying to uh, uh, you know, share our tutoring app with schools, a school said, actually a, a, an elite private school in New Jersey said, hey, um, we'd love to use, I mean, tutoring's cool and all, but right. we'd love to use this to hire teachers. Uh, and this was about three years ago, and I said, "Oh, that's really interesting." And you know, my background—I don't—I used to work in a nonprofit uh, in education. I'm not a classroom teacher, but you hear a lot about, of course, the supply-demand dynamic. You see teachers, um, of course, the teacher population in general is is decreasing, uh, attrition is increasing. All all of what you hear, um, and so it's n- it wasn't a surprise to me at the time that oh yeah, of course, you know, teacher schools need teachers. Um, but what was interesting is we started talking to um, teachers. So schools easily, you know, you could talk to any school, you know, 99 out of 100, maybe 100 out of 100 would say they have a difficult time finding teachers. The, the, the kind of light bulb was when we started talking to teachers and the teachers said, we have a hard time finding jobs. What? I mean, right. and these are teachers that are certified. These are teachers that have a tremendous amount of experience. Some, in some cases, I remember dual certified teachers in high need areas, you know, special education, science, et cetera, who said, look, I'm, I'm, I applied to 20 places. I haven't heard back. I am Googling schools in my area and I can't, uh, I, I have to hand out person by hand. Uh, I go to the office and drop off. Resumes. It, it seemed, it seemed really troubling um, that this group of these group of individuals, presumably in high demand and not presumably, but they are, but they feel totally under supported and honestly unwanted. So then when we come in, when I come in and, and our team comes in and says, look, there's so many opportunities and, and you're undervaluing yourself and you're, you're going to, it's going to be easy for you to find a great job. It's, it was surprising. And still to this day, three years later, we hear that same message. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know this. It, it, you know, it's heartwarming, but also we know there's a, there's a lot more that we can can do to help support teachers finding to help them find jobs. Tell me a little bit about the numbers. Like, how how are you guys growing so far? How many do you have any idea how many teachers you have registered versus schools, and and where can you use this in the country? Yeah, great question. I mean, we have uh, right now in our entire community, I think close to fifth north. We just crossed fourteen thousand fourteen thousand teachers who have signed up um, on our platform. Uh, so in terms of schools, uh, we have over 700, uh, public and private schools who you selected in terms of geographies. We are, we're based in New York city, but we serve, uh, really, um, the, in the Northeast. So from Boston to DC, all the major urban areas throughout, because, um, that's really where, um, the need is. So high need areas, but really the urban metros, um, public and private schools again, uh, and, and we'll be, um, 
serving Los Angeles actually come December. If somebody's in the South and they're disappointed now because they're like, oh, I want to do this. Like, (laughs) where are you in being able to scale this up nationwide? I mean, are there challenges that we're maybe not seeing that that prevent you from doing that right away? Yes. So the, the ch- you know, it's one of those things where we would, I mean, our intent um, and absolute goal is to serve the entire country. We think there's, um, there's significant need all uh, across the country. And, and um, but, you know, part of what we need to do is um, focus on a couple. Key, uh, the reason why we're in the places we're in is because we need to focus on um, specific areas. Uh, because when we enter an area, what we do is build partnerships. We need to make sure we have a strong teacher pool. So we make part. We spend an investment on time with um, schools of education, uh, teacher and school support organizations in the area. We want to make sure that we know um, that you know we we want to know the, te- the uh, learn and get to know the teacher community in the area first. Um, because if we don't have the teachers, then it's hard to get um, hard to get uh, get schools on board, um, or rather it's hard to give them a great experience um, if we don't, uh, if we can't build a teacher community first. So we usually start with the teacher, um, the teacher side first before we enter into areas. So, if, you know, if there are districts around the country there, you know, uh, we, we talk to a lot of uh, areas and potential districts, but if they want us there and, and can help um, support us in, in introducing us to other places, other uh, organizations in their region, we're happy to talk. It's just a, a longer cycle than just saying, hey, we can serve, we serve all teachers nationally. It's just hard to support them because then we have to line up schools on the other side. Yeah, you want to make sure it's, it's not just, you know, smoke and mirrors. You want it to actually have substance to it, I guess. Right. I mean, it's kind of like you know, if you, the dating analogy is apt is that if there are all these, you know, attractive people in the room, you want to make sure there's a, another side to it right. before you yeah. open it up to the entire, you know, to entire state or whatever. So part of it is that's why we're pretty intentional about, okay, where can we be confident that there is a, is a good balance of both teachers and schools um, and that we can build, uh, we can build around first. It, Otherwise, you, yeah, people are going to be upset. We've, <laughs> on this show, we've talked a lot about the teacher shortage and, and really from what everything I've read and research, I mean, it really comes down to two things. One, there may not be enough teachers coming into the field. That's probably the more obvious mm-hmm. thing. But the other is, as you kind of talked about at the top of the show, it's retention. Teachers, people think they want to be a teacher. They do it for two or three years. They have a bad experience and they're out and they go find a job somewhere else. Um, yep. it, you guys, I know, believe that selected your, your software could go a long way to help that, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly what you said in the beginning and is is that if we can ensure that teachers find a great first or second school, I mean, that, that makes all the difference in the world. And to tell teachers that it's not about school type. Right. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of folks coming out of graduate school, or or maybe just because who their professor was, or who kind of how they started in the in the in the um, in education, they they already have already had kind of a type in their head that they want to work at. But what we've discovered again is that there are schools of all walks of life, private schools that serve the same demographic as high need charter schools in urban areas. Um, you, you know, there is not, there, there's the common bias of kind of demographic that each school type serves, but that's not the case. So there's common, there, there's just misconceptions of this, the schools that are out there. And then two, more importantly, is, um, is just helping teachers. So one, um, even have them think about, that's why we have the coaches and we ask those questions around, where are you, you know, do you care about progressive education? Are you a whole child or something more fo- or, or, or more focused on academics? Because we, it, it's actually the process of thinking through that that we think helps. Because honestly, if we have a lot of a, a recent grads, they might not even know the difference. 
um, a lot of teachers don't know that charter schools are public schools. They're publicly funded. They, you know, they think they're private schools or something. We see, we hear that a lot. And so we just want to, redu- we just want to coach teachers into understanding one, their choice uh, out there Two, um, what you should be thinking about. We actually have a workshop around how to identify your ideal school fits. So, so again, those same questions, how to answer those. Uh, and then three, just giving, just having them see um, schools that are out there in their region that they, they might not even have known existed. So one, so for example, on our platform, in your first week as a teacher, the average teacher gets contacted by five compatible schools in their first week, right? Wow. So rather than this experience of, of you know, applying 20 separate times, and you know if you've applied to different schools, districts, and whatever, yeah, those are pretty onerous applications, uh, uh, and, and not least of which you have to read about the school, et cetera. But if you already know what you're kind of looking for, then schools will come to you, and, and they're already interested in you, and, um, and you have that, and then you can do your research. So we're just flipping that equation a little bit, again, by focusing on the teacher, supporting them, um, helping them discover things that they might not have known, yeah, I mean that—that's how you do it. And and what's interesting when you, if you even, even districts, uh, for example, public school districts that are you know fifty schools, a hundred schools, and in your city's case, over you know, roughly two thousand schools. If a teacher types in "teach New York City," how are you going to find of those two thousand schools? For example, if you're just focused on, how are you going to find what of those? Align with what you're looking for, right? Right. It, it's got to be overwhelming. It's pretty much impossible. Uh, so, claim all we we don't have you know all the district schools or public schools on the country on our platform. But yeah, like I, that's our dream. Our dream is to provide just the to show teachers what's out there. Um, but of course, to narrow that down because of of compatibility and, and what they're looking for, and focusing can, on that. Can you tell me a, a success story that you've had with with a school, or, or or from a teacher's perspective? I mean, have you ever had a school come back to you after being on board for a year or two and saying like, "This is working"? Oh yes, I mean, and, and it, it's so it's just um, you know uh, some schools. There's there's one school in in, in New York City in Queens. Um, they uh, yeah they. They used us, um, and this wasn't a case where it was, you know, in August or September, kind of late higher. And and but but this is this set our record for speed. And speed is not the goal, but in terms of quality and speed, they're able to hire a teacher in three days um, from our, you know, really the teacher as soon as they posted a um, their profile, they were extended an offer in three days. And this was a, this was a high performing school. You know, they have a, a great process, and so it's just stories like that that we can do a lot better in terms of helping teachers. That's an extreme, right? But right. Uh, that's one example where there was a great fit up front and you just cut out a lot of noise. Other, um, and other examples, there are schools who have, you know, they're tired. They're tired of posting jobs. They're tired of, of going to job fairs. Um, there's one school in the Bronx, for example, Haketi. Um, it's a charter school. Um, but you know, they were actually the ones who told me um, over the phone when we first started saying, Wayne, you know, when I tell when I tell teachers that we're in the Bronx, it's almost like the other side of the line goes dead. Right. Teachers don't even know we're in the Bronx, first of all. And second of all, you know, it's an insult to our kids that that I have to kind of beg people to come, not beg, but, you know, it's kind of like cajoling them to come to the Bronx. And And so on the platform, again, if you're a school in the Bronx, you only see from the school's perspective, you only see teachers who are interested in the Bronx. 
So again, eat that little thing. It's just location. It's just yeah. borough in New York City. You already have a, 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 a. That's just the first take. There's many more we can you know filter for, but just that level of um, focus helps just speed up their 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 uh, workflow and their um, recruitment process. And as we know. It, it matters so much, right? Um, what we've learned is you can put teachers in front of schools, but, and that's literally our platform. A school logs in and they see compatible teachers ready to go. But even then schools have difficulty closing teachers because their workflow may be a little more um, bureaucratic or slower or just not, um, uh, yeah, it's just not kind of streamlined. And so Similar to how we support our teachers, we also do the same for schools. We apply because we talk to so many, we talk to hundreds of public and private schools. We try to bring all that back and help schools understand it's not just, you know, it's a competitive market, FYI. I mean, everyone knows that. But when you're when you're head of school, when you're, when you're a principal and you're wrestling with so many other issues, yeah, we understand. We understand why hiring is hard. And that may, and that's unlikely the case you got into this business in the first place, but it's really, really important. And so how can we also help support the schools and, and ha- building them a great uh, system for them to use that just streamlines things? And I know you mentioned a few times that the cost for teachers, it's free. So from a business model standpoint, I guess you've got to make money on the school side, right? That's right. So we charge, uh, we charge schools a flat fee um, per hire. So we don't, um, we don't charge an annual fee. We don't charge a su- subscription fee. There's no kind of ongoing you know retainer to get to um uh to for for to use our platform so um but we do charge uh, per hire so so uh, if you hire. get results then the school needs to pay yeah, yeah exactly that makes sense That's i good. mean other platforms you know other job boards you know they're not going to give you your money back um but yeah we only charge in success and um and also we offer a success guarantee a 90-day kind of um success guarantee uh post start that if they're terminated for cause or they resign, then then the school would get a full credit of, of the feedback. Yeah. Great. Well, Wayne, Tam, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, break down Selected for us. Again, uh, the website, if somebody's interested, is getselected.com. And that's for both teachers and the school side. They both can start there, right? That's right. Yep. You both, uh, Either teacher or school can... For sure. Yeah. And, and if people... Uh, do you guys have a big presence on social media if somebody wants to follow you on there? Yeah, uh, we're on Instagram, Get Selected. Uh, we are on Twitter, Get Selected Co. So Get Selected Co. Um, and yeah, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Um, check us out. All right, thank you so much, uh, Wayne Tam. Are you ready for our pop quiz? <laughs> I am. I think. All right. Uh, and, and, and I always like to ask this because because we typically have somebody with an education background. But is your background in education? Or are you a developer, software? Like where where's your? So I've done, I've, it's a long story, but I've done a bunch of things. I I I've, I'm a software developer. I used to work in finance. I used to um, uh, be CEO of a of an education mentoring nonprofit in New York City. Uh, but not a classroom teacher, uh, but definitely in the education sector. Well, good. This is going to be a unique perspective. All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know if it's a legitimate subject, but I, you know, and, and I, I, I think I think entrepreneurship, I think something around business, building a business, um, because it incorporates so many um, yeah, so many other disciplines. Something definitely in- interdisciplinary. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? I think I, 
I think it's, I, you know, I don't have anything specific off my head, but um, my experience, when, when I was going to school, I think what I appreciated very much was uh, kind of giving back to the community, working with the community, um, folks that, that, that aren't, um, that are different from you and supporting and supporting other uh, individuals in the community and, and whether it's low income or, or other, uh, other, other, um, yeah, just other yeah. folks that you em- empathy, normally guess, don't right? have experience with. Yeah, empathy. I guess that's a great way to put it. I, I think, and thank you for saying that because I'm trying to, I, I'm just, we, we speak to so many schools and we visited so many schools and I think everyone gets caught up in, in, in the, the, um, the academics and, and okay, you know, 21st century skills in computer science. But I, 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 one thing is, is yeah, empathy, communication, relating with others. I think it's so critical, especially as the world becomes more global. What does every child deserve? Every child deserves a great education, access, access to a great education for sure. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Oh, man, the biggest challenge is, I think, is this balance between, um, at least for public education, I think the mandates of, of test scores and, and what is what is required of them uh, to really helping teachers, or sorry, helping students, um, you know, become, you know, supporting them where they are, uh, where they're at. Um, it's not just kind of where they are at that point in time, but their progress and how they can, you know, people learn at different rates um, and, and people have different potentials and realize that at different times. So it's this balance between, you know, long-term versus short-term, uh, long, short-term being just getting those test scores and long-term developing the whole child and uh, helping students realize their full potential. What's the best gift to give an educator? Best gift? Oh man! Off the top of my head, it's I. I wish we. Could, I wish. I wish there was just the coke. There was just a a, a, a. a. I wish. I mean, I think teachers deserve a lot more in terms of love, support, not, not least of which monetary compensation. Um, I, I. I mean, you hear it all the time, so. That's, that's where my, my, my mind goes. Which teacher changed your life? Man. Um, I'm trying to think uh, because there's so, there are so many, um, they're so, they're so impactful. And I was fortunate to be, um, to have so many great teachers. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think it was probably in high school and, and I, you know, I, I was fortunate to take a, a rhetoric class or speech and debate class, essentially, and, and it was just critical and helping. Um, it wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, it was just kind of required class, but it really set um, set me up for just kind of you know, logic, questioning um, current event, you know, questioning um, questioning everything, understanding current events, being able to argue um, uh, with with evidence and, and logic. Uh, improving public speaking is it was, it was a great experience for me. Do you want to share the uh, teacher's name? It was uh, Mr. Harville, Jim Harville in San Jose, California. There you go. And uh, last question, pen yeah. or pencil? Oh, definitely pencil. There you go. Yeah, definitely pencil. <laughs> All right, Wayne, Tam, we, again, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, it looks like you guys are doing great things with uh, Selected and Best of Luck. And hopefully, um, as you guys continue to grow, you'll be able to expand to more parts of the country and uh, everyone kind of be keeping an eye out for your growth. Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate it. Thanks. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter to search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class Dismissed!